Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Robert Fulton, AM, family man, athlete, immortal, who sadly passed away Sunday, May 23, leaving behind a wife, three children and grandchildren. Our thoughts and prayers to them. Thanks, Bozo, for showing us how it's done. Rest easy. This interview was recorded May 6, two weeks prior to the passing. Rather than edit or eliminate any references, a mutual decision was made to leave the interview as is, out of respect. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. As the names from yesterday grow older, our history must be held tighter. For those that formed the product we enjoy today, their achievements, their recollections and their stories. And there's no better storyteller than this guy. But who is Peter Peters? Well, Peter Peters, if you ask me the Greek version, it's Paniotis, Eftihis, Petridis. Um, <laughs> I'm a poor battling Greek trying to find my way in a new country. Um <laughs> Realistically, I'm one of the world's luckiest blokes. I've, uh, I've had a lifetime doing things every day that I wanted to do uh, in the game that I loved, for the club that I loved and played with, and to be able to report on the game. And I was a journalist, cadet journalist in Wollongong the day I left school. Um, and, um, you know, I'm one of those people that, uh, that thanks his lucky stars that um, – uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets about about my life. I made mistakes, but I lived with them. Uh, I had plenty of great moments, and I've been uh, on a magic carpet ride throughout the world, covering all sorts of sports, and um, and meeting some of the people that I've admired, and making mates for life. I'll get it out of the way early. You're seen as a loud, robust, sometimes agitating, larger than life character. The real Peter Peters is actually, in my dealings, quietly spoken, incredibly compassionate, uncompromising in his values, and extremely loyal, as well as being an absolute gentleman. And I apologise if I've ruined the narrative, but I've found you very different to the public Peter Peters. Am I right? Well, it's not for me to say that, but I would like to think you are, Andy, but I it was a show. And, uh, and and I was playing the game and um, it worked for me. Uh, it worked with my partner, uh, Greg Hartley, for so many years. We had a ball and we changed the face of uh, radio broadcasting, which I'm very proud of. Um, we grew up in an era where there were great broadcasters like the late, great Frank Hyde, who I loved from the day I met him, um, for old Tiger Black, for uh, Cole Pierce. 
Um, and, you know, as a kid, I dreamt and used to start calling footy games even while I was playing uh, down in Wollongong in, in junior footy games. And even into my senior career, um, I remember a game at Penrith where Manly beat Penrith 70-7 to and one of my old Parramatta teammates, Ronnie Lynch, the great Ronnie Lynch was playing for Parramatta and um, I, uh, I was lucky enough to break through. Everyone broke through that day and I started broadcasting it and Zorba's through and he's going to score. No, he's going to give it to Fulton and Fulton scored. Well, Ronnie Lynch said, that'll do me, Zorba. When you can broadcast the game, I'm walking off. And he walked off. Where did the rugby league journey begin, mate? What are your first memories of the great game? I remember living at um, St John's Avenue in Mangerton in the western suburbs of Wollongong and just down the road and across the creek I could be at Fig Tree Oval, home of the western suburbs Red Devils, um, in five minutes. And I would spend all of my time down there in the grandstand looking at the seniors train and, um, and playing cricket and footy at the ground and from under sevens and under eights um, into uh, first grade there while still going to school. Um, they're my early memories and memories of my great mates from down there, and I was um, lucky enough to have a great mate uh, play with me right through juniors, and um, strangely enough, um, and it just shows you uh, what life can throw up, he was one of the original four immortals, Bob Fulton, who is my best mate, one of my best mates I can count on one hand today. And if we don't talk um, 30, 40 times a week, then um, there's something wrong with one of us. A friendship that's lasted the test of time. Which is what I said early mm. to you, that um, you know nothing can buy what the game has given me. A young Greek boy playing rugby league and at the elite level. Rugby league was different. Australia was different. A rarity in the late 60s, I'd suggest. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember going to school at Kira Boys High um, and I was school captain and I was captain of the first grade cricket team and the first grade rugby league side. And, you know, growing up in the city of Wollongong in those days was tough for a migrant oh, yeah. boy, um, but sport was my outlet and um, it gave me an equal, equal standing amongst other mm. boys of my age, and I knew that, and I, I used it. And once a week, I would put the migrant kids, and there were lots of kids from all over the world, their parents had settled in Australia, mm. and they'd go to the front of the canteen line every week, once a week, and, um, and I could tell how much it meant to them. And it was something that um, I did off my own bat, None of the teachers said anything, and um, I continued with it. You would have been called all sorts of names, I would have imagined, on a football field, off the football field as well. As we sit here in 2021, hasn't life changed? Well, hasn't it? What? I mean, you know, I was called everything from a wog to a dago. um, But as I said, sport gave me an outlet. Mm. I was in the surf club at North Wollongong. My dad owned the best cafe in Wollongong, and... um, and an illegal gambling joint upstairs above it. And um, <laughs> that's where I grew up. And uh, um, it was a wonderful, wonderful upbringing. And um, I can't thank my parents enough um, for giving me the opportunity to do what I've done in life and to go where I've been and meet the people I've met. And, you know, for, uh, for that young 
migrant boy um, to go through life and have the opportunity to sit down and have dinner with Sir Donald Bradman and ghost people like, you know, the late Tony Gregg um, and Dennis Lilly and um, and then be able to uh, branch out into uh, other sports and call world boxing uh, title fights and meet people along the way that have had a great impact on my life. How important is family and the Peter Peter story? Because we, as we sit here, you're speaking about the early years, your eyes are, are welling up, your chest is out, you're, you're obviously very proud of who you are and where you've come from. I'm proud of all that, but I'm more proud of my family and, you know, what they've become. And um, they're the most important people in my life. So, mm. you know, as long as they're happy and I can help them be happy, then um, then I'm a very satisfied person. I don't, I don't have any regrets. I don't sort of wake up and think, oh, I wish I should have done this or mm. I could have done that. You know, I mean, my great mate Greg Hartley, my buddy who I called with for so many years, has um, just gone through, you know, floods uh, where he lives on the um, edge of the Hawkesbury River. Mm. And, um, you know, his, um, his, his caravan park uh, was completely inundated with water and he's one of three or four that survived it. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. 1968 was when you shot to public prominence with the mighty Parramatta Reels. <laughs> Ken and Dick Thornett, yeah. Ronnie Lynch, well, Barry God. Rushworth, Ivor Lingard and a very young Bob the Bear O'Reilly. What do you recall of your one season at Parramatta? Oh, I loved it. I, re- I, loved, um, I loved the people. I loved their support. Um, and uh, I have great memories. You know, we made the finals. Yep. And... Um, I was a goal kicker in the side. Um, I had um, I had great teammates. I was lucky to play in such a side. Um, Cumberland Oval in those days was the Wild West. And I yeah. remember, you know, you'd be in the change room and you'd smell the food being cooked in the canteen out the back of the grandstand. Um, she was a she was a wild old place. I remember uh, I remember vividly um, uh, having that season at Parramatta, and I loved it. But at the end of the season, I got a call. Um, I was working in the Sun Sports Room uh, at the Sydney Sun and um, the editor buzzed me and he had, of course, when he buzzed you, you got off his chair and yeah. walked around. He's a man called Jack Tier, who, um, who was an amazing man. He, um, he was the editor of the newspaper and his great mate was Ken Arthurson. And I walked around to his office and Ken was sitting in there and I'd just finished my first season of Parramatta and he said... Um, what grading are you as a journalist? And I said, I'm a D grade. He said, how would you like to become an A grade? I said, I'd love it. He said, well, can you get out of your contract at Parra? I said, yeah, I've only signed for one year. He said, well, you're playing for Manly. I said, oh, okay. Um, why? He said, because I'm going to make you an A grade journalist. He said, you're going to travel the world ghosting Sid Barnes and a column called Take It or Leave It. And I said, well, I don't know whether I'm good enough to be able to write that column. 
And he said, well, I'm writing it now. And he said, uh, so you're going to be writing it from here on in. So you will travel with Sid wherever he wants to go and, and do cricket. He said, which I know you've got a background yeah. in. And I said, well, where do I sign? So that's how I signed with Manly. That's how the love affair with the Seagulls began. Yeah, and that's how my love affair with Ken Arthurson, who is my second dad, and um, he's 91, and uh, I love him, and I don't think that there's been a better man mm. walk this planet. Before we move over to Brookvale, Cumberland Oval was burnt to the ground after the famous grand final of 1981. We only hear stories now secondhand of how hard it was and how uneven it was. You played there. What was it like as a, a field? Not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. It was, uh, it, was, uh, it was a tough place to play. But when it was your home, you didn't care because you yeah. got used to it. But teams didn't like coming there. It was weird that the first year I switched to Manly, 1969, Manly had made the grand final the season before yep. in first grade and in reserve grade. So the teams went up um, after the pre-season and um, I was in third grade. So I went to Ken Arthur and I said, Ken, you didn't buy me to play third grade. And he said, no. He said, but the selectors won't change those two teams that made the grand final. Don't worry about it, son. You'll be okay. So I played third grade and I remember it was Max Krillich's first game uh, for Manly in grade and he got sent off. Um, they said to me after the game, sit on the bench for reserve grade, which I did, and I went on. And then after that game, they said, sit on the bench for first grade, and I went on. So I played three games in, in one day in my do, debut uh, first game for Manly. And for the young ones that are listening, there was 13 players named per grade. Yeah. And you would play... As you just said, third grade and five or six or seven players would sit on the bench for reserve grade and then the, the same for first grade. So I got whacked in every game from my old teammates. It was, uh, it was quite an induction. The 69 side included Billy Hamilton, Freddie Jones, Ian Martin, Bob Batty, Frank Stanton, Alan Thompson, Mick Vivas. And you were able to link up with... A 21-year-old mate of yours, Bobby Fulton, again. Yeah, how amazing. Um, my first day of training was, incidentally, at Narrabeen, where the Seagulls train today. And um, it was a stinking hot day in January. And um, we all went for a swim at Narrabeen, just down the road, um, straight after training. It was a howling surf going. And, um, and I sort of looked at it, and most of the guys just dived and went straight in. And... Um, I thought, no, nah, I don't like the look of that. There was a rip and uh, suddenly half the side's being swept out the sea and down Whoa. the coast. And I'll never forget this. Uh, Alan Thompson who joined the club uh, the same year from uh, Swansea Belmont, was a belt champion. So he's jumped in the belt. Um, I've hopped on the on the uh, reel, which I thought was the safest place for me yeah. to be. And, I'll, and the boys were swept out the sea and then down the coast towards Collaroy and Longreath. Um, and I'll never forget Ken Arthurson on the uh, on the beach screaming out, "Stuff the others, just save Bozo!" <laughs> <laughs> well, they all came in down at uh, down at Collaroy, and uh, thankfully we didn't lose anybody. But I'll never forget that first day of training, mate. I'm looking at that squad from '69, and I can't work out if it's one of the toughest squads I've seen or one of the most physically talented. 
squads I've seen. It got tougher when Malcolm really joined us. Oh, yes. And that was only the year after. Yep. And uh, look, we had to, as Ken Arfson said, we had to toughen up. Um, and Ken didn't make any any excuses that we were uh, worked over in the forwards by other teams in early in that era where we were always the bridesmaids and before I got there we'd been in several grand finals yep. um, and uh, and got beaten um, so it was uh, it was a club that was growing fast I mean they only came in in 1947 in 1950 uh, they made a grand final mm. you know with and and it was um, it was from that time right and through through until the seventies that um, uh, the the club was the bridesmaids. But uh, once Arthurson bought Malcolm Reilly, and then he bought John O'Neill yep. from South Sydney, and there was no tougher pack. Um, and it was a pleasure to play in. Um, John O'Neill joined Manly, um, and we started to move. I remember his first day of training. Ron Willie was the coach, and he said, um, "Okay, boys, we're going on a run." Uh, to Palm Beach from Brookvale, which is a hell of a run, Ooh. over 20 k's. And um, even though it was mostly flat, um, it was around the beaches and up to Palm Beach and then you do the sand hills. Well, Lurch and I, John O'Neill and I, we were at the back of the pack and he said to me, how much money you got on you? I said, oh, not much, about 10 bucks. He said, oh, I've got 10. He said, we're getting a cab. I said, you're right. He said, yep. <laughs> Anyway, so we hopped in the cab and we got out outside Palm Beach RSL. There was a tap and a hose there and we hosed ourselves as though we'd been running. And Arco pulls up and said, what are you blokes doing? And he looked at Ken. He said, Ken, if you wanted to buy a long-distance runner, he said, I'm not your man. If you want a front row forward that's going to kill him come September when the grand final's on, I'm your man. He said, Lurch, you and Zorb, take your time getting in. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. That 69 grand final, often regarded as one of the most controversial ever, Mm. was it? Yeah, it was, and we got beaten on the bell the week before by Balmain, and um, and they w- they went into the grand final. Mm. We got beaten on the bell. We led until then, and um, for some reason, our winger we got the ball from the kickoff, kicked back to them, and um, it was Davy Bolton who died not so long ago. Yeah. Wonderful player from England. He shaped to do a field goal. We rushed up on him, and so he spun the ball out wide, and big George Rubner scored in the corner. And they beat us and went through to the grand final and won it, and they they were going slow tactics, and it was just one of those games that they were ready. The club would play in the 1970, 72 and 73 grand finals. You'd start in the second row in 73. Is that the career highlight? Is it something you look back on more fondly than other things? It was, it was a wonderful opportunity. Mm. And um, something that I dreamt of as a kid, something that Bob Fulton and I spoke about um, in 1965. Really? Um, we sat on the roof of the hill stand at the, um, at the cricket ground to watch Souths and St George play in front of a crowd of 78,000. And we travelled by train uh, to Central and then walked to the cricket ground and we sat on the roof and, um, 
as uh, St George were doing a lap of honour, um, Bob pointed down and said, we'll do that one day together. And I never thought another thing about it until we were walking around the ground with a JJ Gilton and Shield in 1973. He came up to me, put his arm on my shoulder, pointed to the stand and said, I told you. And wow. for that to happen to two kids, he went to Dapto High, left early, took up a job as a boilermaker at Port Kembla. Yep. Um, and I left school and uh, after my leaving certificate and took up a cadetship with the Illawarra Daily Mercury and one of my first stories was to go and interview Bob when he was picked for Country Seconds, yeah. um, jersey number 19, and he said to me, Zorba, he said, I'm going to have to educate myself a bit better. He said, teach me a word a day. And um, there's one of the most successfully um, individual Individuals I know, he's built a magnificent portfolio in property, mm. hotels, businesses, um, and uh, the Boilermaker has certainly uh, uh, grown in stature since then. The back row, yourself, Terry Randall, Mal really. Oh. Now that there's some tough. Well, how lucky was I, Andy, to fall into that period with that club? Yeah. Um, I mean, nearly everyone on the side was an international. Um, I waved them goodbye um, yeah. for the 73 Kangaroo Tour and they're nearly all on it. And uh, I was lucky enough to uh, get over to England uh, as part of my job at the Sun newspaper and, and doing kangaroo tours and being in the north of England. And I fell in love with England and particularly that part of it. And um, it's a shame that, um, you know, COVID presents us, uh, prevents us from, uh, yeah. from going back these days. But the memories of those kangaroo tours... And um, and and just the the absolute love of the game in the in the northern part of England is fantastic. Some people will regard that seventy three grand final and final series actually as the most physical, the most violent ever. Is that on the marker of the stories grown over the years? No, you could hear the bones breaking. Wow! Uh, and and there were there were general. Um, Cautions given out by referee Keith Page. He said, next one's off, next one's off, but he kept saying it, and the brawls continued behind play, knees, elbows. Uh, Malcolm really got taken out after he kicked the ball early by Ronnie Turner after uh, Malcolm had got him early in the year, um, and uh, Malcolm had to leave the field, got some painkillers, came back on and said, I've only got 10 minutes, but I'll take a few with me, and he sure did. Um, but that's the way the game was played in those days. I mean, he was he was the toughest individual that I met in my career, and, and, and I played against the likes of Kevin Ryan, who was a tough man. Mm. Noel Kelly knocked me out in my first game ever at Lidcombe uh, with a right hand that only travelled about six inches. Um, and and But Malcolm was something else. I mean, his first game, I'll never forget, we played Souths at the cricket ground. He said, who's best player? And he'd only arrived a few days earlier, so it's hard to understand. But I got the locker next to him, and we became great mates and still are today. Uh, he said, who's best player? We're playing South. And I said, um, I saw them. He said, them. And I said, oh, I said, mate, they've got players all over the yeah. park. He said, who's best player? I said, oh, Bob McCarthy. He said, number. I said, 10. And he, uh, anyway, he said, who's halfback? And I told him uh, Dennis Ward was our halfback. So he told Wardy to kick off, kick it out on the full. There'd be a scrum back at the halfway mark. But 
What he didn't tell us was as the ball was sailing out, the South players were looking at a guy over the sideline, he's trotted past Bob McCarthy, gave him an elbow, decked him, and he got carried off. And as McCarthy's been t- carried off and the cameras weren't looking, there were only a few cameras yeah. in those days, all black and white. Anyway, and uh, the ref, the touch judges are all following the ball and as McCarthy got um, carried off and on a stretcher, um, he's about to pack into the scrum and he's, uh, he tapped me on the backside in the second row. He said, all right, number? I said, yep. <laughs> that, was, that was his first game. What a player. He was ruthless, yeah. but I yeah. have a skill. Terry Randall, uh, close second. Broke my jaw twice and I played with him. Like he would come in, second man in the tackle. He wanted to do a 1,000 tackles. Yeah. Yeah, he was very tough. Um, but John O'Neill was, to me, yep. the epitome of toughness because he would scream at the opposition and say, I'm coming, stop me if you can. And, like, he'd take the ball up. He'd have a rest for one tackle, and then he'd push you out of the way to take it up again. Wow. That's how tough he was. From Canada, what an amazing man. I can't believe he's gone. I used to enjoy as a kid watching what I considered to be a personal duel, one-on-one, prop forward, forward versus prop forward, hooker versus hooker. Mm. You had the mental capacity to make it personal for 80 minutes. Mm. I don't see that in the game no, today. No, and it was ruthless then. I mean, I did things in that grand final I'm absolutely ashamed, ashamed of. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm not that sort of person. But when you make a grand final and you're side by side with, with your mates you've been to war with, and yeah. that's the way the game was in those days. It was so tough that sort of anything went, and it went in that game, and the ref couldn't stop it for more than half the game. Um, and, and I sort of sensed it was on because if it just came to a game of football, we were much the better side. Yep. Uh, but I, I remember Cliff Watson, who looked like an old pirate because his, one of his eyes was almost shut and he was leaning against the goalpost as we were warming up out there. And um, I just sensed there was something up. And, and when, when we sort of uh, looked at each other for the first scrum, he's... His eyes were going around. Tommy Bishop was screaming at them, and um, you just knew it was on. There were punches and elbows from the first tackle, and it was on for young and old. Is it a better game under better rules in 2021, or do you prefer 1973's version of rugby league? I don't like to live in the past, Andy. I mean, yeah. the athletes today, uh, but we all had to go to work. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working at the Sun newspaper. I was there at six o'clock in the morning. Um, we had a couple of editions before I'd go home, and then I'd go home and have a rest, and then I'd go to training. Um, and we'd train, and then you'd be back at work. So it was, and and you know, it was it was it was an amazing honour at the time. Ken Irvine was a qualified journalist. Yep. And he was my wingman. He switched from North Sydney to Manly uh, the season before when we won the comp. And to play with the greatest try scorer in the history of the game, um, I can't believe he's gone either. Um, and, you know, he worked at the Daily Mirror and I worked at the Sun. And at the time and to this day, I think we're the only two qualified journalists that had gone through the system of um, um, of, uh, of newspapers to, uh, uh, to play in a grand final and win one. You'd retire only one year later. Were you smarter than the rest or had Father Time caught up with you, Zorb? Well... I I was sort of more concerned at my media career. Yep. It was starting to um, 
Escalate, and I was doing stuff on television with Rex Mossop on uh, Controversy Corner. I was doing a lot more um, travelling with my job, uh, and and I just loved writing on the game and reporting on the game. And, and you know, for uh, a young boy from the bush, uh, if you can call Wollongong the bush, um, via Goulburn where I played for a couple of seasons, um, to be able to sit down and, and, and talk to um, South Coach Clive Churchill, yeah. um, to be mates with him, uh, to go to training. And, and in those days, to be a journalist, you had to earn your stripes and you had to earn your confidence. Yeah. And, and you know, people had to trust you. And, um, and I like to think that I earned that. And I just love being in the media and I love my job and... And I love the excitement of it every day. And I branched out in the television and later into radio. And um, it just opened up a new world for me. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series is a deep dive, not only into the athlete, but the man behind. Celebrating successes, dealing with failures and turning obstacles into challenges. It drops at the start of the week. On the Weekly Watch, hear up to a dozen of the game's finest on any one episode, both former and current players. We talk footy, have a laugh as well, segments, specials and special guests. It's the perfect way to kick off your footy weekend and simply the best rugby league podcast going. Then on the weekend, one-on-one and not a footballer in sight as we chat with boxers, mixed martial artists and professional wrestlers, both past and present. The list of names featured reads like a who's who. Make sure you're following us on our social media pages, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. That way, you won't miss a thing. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.